Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. If you listen to that on audio, there's probably a pause because we now start off screen so that you can see the picture of the board before you jump in or look at the newsletter. There's a picture of it in there every week. We're super, super excited about the chapter this week. There's just one, hallelujah. I love telling my kids when they're like, what are we supposed to read this week? If it's only one chapter, they get they get so excited. <laughs> it's kind of long, but it is such it's a good one. kind of long one. and lots of good lessons. Okay, we have uh, we have some show and tells that we want to do first that are that are going to kind of be the build up for this section. Remember, every section is in response to a question or a problem or a situation or, or something like that. So we wanted to do a couple show and tell things. A good friend of ours at Haven Light um, Haven Light, you might recognize, is where we get the art for the top of every newsletter. Let us borrow these treasures. We're so glad by the time you watch this, they won't be here at the house anymore, so you can't rob Emily because <laughs> uh, they seriously so are treasures. I'm sleeping not as good at night as I could be because I feel like I have to caretake over these things all the time. Um, and it's so fun. I was thinking to myself, this is such a fun year because not only do we have field trips, but every so often we get to have show and tell two weeks in a row we're having show and tell and then we have a field trip again so, so uh fun. start uh, doctor covenants first okay, and then book of mormon okay because that will all right so this is right here this is an 1835 copy of the doctrine and covenants so this was the first edition that actually ends up being printed We'll get into that story, but some of you may remember when the printing press will get destroyed and the girls gather the papers. That one never officially got bound and printed, um, but this is the first edition that was actually printed. And, and just is that what you size. thought it was going to look like? I know, I'm so interested how tiny it is. It's it just smells just what you think it smells like, like an old book. And show your favorite um, part. My favorite part is this. I just love the title of it. Why don't we still have this title? President Nelson, change the title. Um, it's just awesome that it says these are carefully selected from the revelation of God, revelations of God, and then compiled. I just love that it's like, these aren't the only revelations that God was pouring out on the earth at the time, but here's a careful selection of them that can be helpful for the organization and the gathering and and the building of the kingdom of God, but it just, isn't that rad? They're carefully selected. I yeah. just love that it's, word. I love so much. everything about that. And you just want to read. You should show the inside so people know. This is kind of what they looked like on the inside. That's how they were printed and kind of how they were laid out. It's just so fun to see. Um, this is what they would have carried around. Let's do that one right now. Too. Okay, this is a first copy of the Pearl of Great Price. So it's got a little um, shiny cover on it to protect it, but it's just this little pamphlet pamphlet right here. And um, this was printed actually in England. And it was Franklin D. Richards who used to carry around copies of the Book of Moses, some of Abraham, and some sections of the Doctrine and Covenants just together. And he called them my pearl of great price, my pearls of great price. And that's where the name came from. But originally it was just this little pamphlet of, and see there's like the little facsimile, you know, that just folds out. 
right in the middle so right awesome. there. And so um, we'll talk a little bit more about um, the Perla Gray price in just a minute. Okay, this is a first edition of the Book of Mormon, which is so fun to look at. There are so many awesome things about this You can book. hold this up right next to it so you yeah, can so see you can the size. Yeah, you can kind of see the size difference. And so this would have been, have come off of the Grandin Press, everybody. This is one of the very first ones. It has a preface right here. It's just kind of fun to look at what this would have looked like when they were handing these out and people were reading them for the first time. There's the first book of Nephi, you can kind of see what it looks like. Um, everything was not in verses and columns the way we have it. You you kind of read it just like a book. That's what it felt like as you were reading a book. And let us show you one of our favorite parts of this because do you remember the lesson we taught several months ago on the witnesses, the eight witnesses and then the three witnesses and I told you about a seminary teacher of mine who had me add my name at the bottom of the list of those witnesses. So when I opened this up and I saw this, I just about died because do you see how the man who first owned this Book of Mormon wrote his name right there at the bottom of those eight witnesses? And then the man who owned it second followed his example and also added his name to this book of witnesses. And when we saw this, both of us, we were just flipping through, and then we got there, and we both screamed, right? When we saw it, we were like, oh, this is so awesome. They were doing it even clear back then, and now all of us have done the same thing with our books. So that is so fun. And just the other night, I just sat down and just read this as if I lived in the 1830s, and someone gave me this book, and I was just going to read it. Remember, people who read it through the night? Oh, and then you went and used the shower. So that was the best of both worlds. You could have that book and indoor plumbing. Yes. All right. And this right here is a treasure. This is a copy of the, what is called the Geneva Bible. Well, it's not a copy. It actually is the Geneva Bible. Well, oh yeah. But I mean like a copy. <laughs> okay. And look, show um, from 1599 is what this is from. So, um, the Geneva Bible is the Bible that came, um, in English before the King James Bible, and it's before printing the Bible in English was legal. The King James edition of the Bible is the first time it was not punishable by death to print. I want you to show the um, Apocrypha. Okay, to print oh, the Bible in English. So it was printed in Geneva, Switzerland, and then it was smuggled um, into English-speaking countries so that people could have the words of the Bible before the actual legal King James Bible got printed. This is fun because this one actually has the Apocrypha in it, which um, we'll, we'll read about and talk about a little bit with Joseph um, later as we get there. But also it's so fun because it has these, look, just look how pretty the Bibles were back then. Does somebody want to print me a really pretty Bible? Because that's what I really want when I look at this. Yeah, except the edges else. of the pages don't no. look really pretty. Oh, I even love the edges. Look how fun. They had to hand stamp these in. The printing press couldn't make the pictures. So they had to hand stamp with a wood block the pictures in. And who's in love with that uh, thing that makes us think of the temple when we look at it right there? So awesome. Okay, what do you want to say about all this? Okay, this is what we want to say. This section that we're in today, section 29, it kind of has a connection to Pearl of Great Price and the Bible. So one of the projects that Joseph started working on right after the restoration uh, reorganization of the church was what's called the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. 
They didn't call it that back then. They called it the inspired version. But Joseph started, and, and the Lord kind of emphasized to him, what was it, two sections ago, where he said, no, most of your work needs to be doing this. Like, don't worry about other things right now. I want you to be in in the Bible. And um, first of all, it's just pretty amazing that the Bible made it through all of these years. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just one thing I think every time that it's like, and for it to be smuggled across borders and just, it was kept alive. And yeah. it was When just... you think about the book of Revelation and it talks about that the woman would go into the wilderness. And what was that phrase that we loved? Where she would be kept for a time. Yeah, and nourished. And nourished yeah. for a time. That's what it was. And just to think that there were things that were preserved during that time is remarkable. And, and I think it's sort of... You know, we just want to make sure if we ever talk about the Joseph Smith translation that we're not, it's not a degradation to, you know, the Bible, which for the majority of it is translated and was preserved correctly and, and has motivated followers of Jesus for millennia. And it, and and so what a treat for Joseph to spend time with, with and, and he had a kinship with people of the past, you know, as he read their mm-hmm. words and, and felt like he had a similar responsibility and role. Um, the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, it does give us a, a better version of the Bible, you could say, a more correct version of the Bible. But I bet I would say that's secondary to what that project was actually the fruits that came from it. And that is half of the revelations in the Doctrine and Covenants actually come during the time that Joseph is working on the inspired translation of the Bible. Because of questions yeah. that come as he's reading it. And then he goes and says... Teach me more about this. Yeah. So the Pearl of Great Price, which includes um, the Book of Moses. The Book of Moses is an inspired translation of the Book of Genesis. So remember during the field trip when we went out to um, Emma's house, we talked about the persecutions that were going on. Moses 1 was given. He received that during that work, during that time of great persecution. It would have been a really like uplifting and an encouraging chapter for them. And he is working on Moses chapters 1 through 5 during this time when section 29 is received. And he's working on that JST and there is a group of six elders, six missionaries, who have questions about what he is learning in Moses 1 through 5. Because he's learning about Adam and Eve. And he's learning about the fall. And he's learning about um, the, the phrase in there that the earth one day will pass away and all things will be made new. And, and the plan. He's going to talk to right. us a lot about the plan. So you can tell these are the places where Joseph is spending time and thinking about those are the themes that he's pondering as we get into section 29. And section 29 is really fun because if you go to the footnotes, you are going to find so many uh, references so many footnotes back into the Bible, into those places where Joseph is spending a lot of time. Yeah. It, it, section 29 is almost commentary on uh, on that other scripture, Moses 1 through 5, and, and biblical. It's like a commentary mm-hmm. section. There's going to be a lot of revelation in here, the book of Revelation. We're going to see a lot of that. Um, Ezekiel, Joel, Joel is a lot in of here. second coming scripture. Is in 29. So actually, section 29 is the first, um, we don't use this phrase very often in um, in our church, um, eschatological, um, but in the broader Christian world, it's a phrase that's used a lot. Eschatology is, is the study of and the truths about the end times. 
and all about the end stuff. So this becomes the very first kind of end times, second coming revelation. And what you'll notice about the sections of the Doctrine and Covenants that are spurred on by the JST, they're very, very doctrinally rich. Um, the other ones like Hiram's like, how, how can I help in the work? What, what can I do? What's, you know, sort of advice. You'll see the ones that come from JST are actually really like, okay, let's lay out purposes and plans and, and truths, you know, behind the scenes and the way things are and were and will to come and, and a lot of that kind of, so that's what you're going to find in section 29. And I actually love in the come follow me manual, like it has a list of kind of what you would say gospel topics. And then it gives you like verses that would fit in into each of them. It's like, oh, in 29, you're going to learn about the fall of Adam and Eve. You're going to learn about agency. You're going to learn about signs of the second coming. You're going to learn about exaltation. You're going to learn about judgment. You're going to just all these different parts. Kind of seems like it's it lends to some cool family learning mm-hmm. or group learning together. Well, and being able to think, what what do we need most right now? Like, which of these areas do we want to lean into? We're going to lean into almost every one of them because there are such great lessons to be learned um, from each of them. And one thing that is awesome about this chapter, and maybe we can just jump in right here, is he's gonna he is going to teach us about those second coming signs. He's going to talk to us about times that are turbulent, both back in the pre-existence and in the war in heaven and in our time. That's where he's about to go. And I love that before he starts, he's like, okay, before we even get into those heavy topics, I want to do this. I want to remind you who I am. I want to remind you my place in this plan, where we're going and, and what I'm going to do. That's what I want you to see. And, and, and that idea that, that I am with you yes, in it. And the promise at the end that I will be with you for the whole thing. That's my role is to be with you. So he starts out very first at the beginning in verse one and says, listen to the voice of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to describe, just remember who I am. I'm your redeemer. I'm the great I am. Let's just pause for a minute and talk about that word I am because we love what that word can mean. And it's awesome to be reminded of that right now because in short, it can be translated, I am who I will always be. I am who I have always been. When Moses would have talked about, when they ask who sent you, say I am, would remind them I'm the same God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Alma and Nephi and Moroni, and Joseph. and It's almost as if he's like, don't forget that I am the voice that has always spoken through every bit of scripture. And you love that name. So do you want to add anything? Yeah. Well, I would just say, if if you don't know this, that I am is, if you translate that phrase into Hebrew, you would get Yahweh or Jehovah. So that name Jehovah means I am who I will always be. That is, is who I am. And it's neat that He's going to be talking about kind of end time. You know, everyone's asking questions about, is this it? Is this the end? But he's also going to take them back to the very beginning and before the very beginning. And it's neat for him to emphasize, I was there when the stars were hung. I was there when 
the purposes and plans were set out. I was there when they were put into motion. I've been there through every dispensation. Yep, Adam and I will and Eve right. and the pre when Satan fell and like he starts listing you clear up until end times, millennium. Right. And and this and that same God who's was there in the beginning, who's been in your midst in the middle, is the one who will return and make things all all things new in the end. And so that's such a powerful title. The other ones we love are in verse five, where he says, I'm your advocate um, with the father. That's going to be so important throughout the section because you're going to start reading some of the things that he says and they will not sound pleasant and they will not sound like encouraging or the kind of Jesus you want to spend a Sunday afternoon with. Um, and so at the beginning, he's like, hey, don't you forget, I, I, I defend you. I, I'm trying to make you one with the father and I. Um, I'm Jesus Christ. I will deliver. Right? I will rescue. I will save. All of those things. And and he does go right into, he's like, I don't just want to tell you who I am. Let me remind you what I do. I gather you, right? I gather you like a hen gathers her chickens. I feel protective over you. I want to keep you safe and warm and all of those things. I just, I love that he wants to be the refuge. But then I love when he says, um, his arm of mercy. And then he wants us to remember he's the one who atoned for our sins, right? You've got this gatherer, the one who atoned, the one who brings mercy. He wants us to know that's who he is right off the bat. And then he says, this is who I've come for in verse seven. I've come for my elect as many as will hearken and humble themselves and call upon my name. That's, that's it. Like if that describes you, then this is his promise to all of those people. And, and when you fill that out, I think it's like we put this little space here where he's like mine elect. And that can sound at first like a little bit like ex an exclusive club. And that's why we love that definition where he's like as many as, and in that first blank, we would want you to put will. The mm -hmm. elect is first and foremost, whoever wants to be. And if someone were to say, yes, I would like to be your elect. He says, okay, then hearken to my voice and call upon my name and heart. And that's the definition of what an elect person is. Yeah, it's so good. And then he goes in and says, this is why, this is why I'm gathering you. If you've ever wondered why we gather, he's gonna tell us right here in verse eight. It's to prepare your hearts and to be prepared in all things against the day when tribulation and desolation are sent forth among the wicked. So his purpose in that gathering is for protection, which is so important. In fact, I had an experience this weekend that is so interesting because all my kids are grown up and they all have families of their own now, except for cute Grace, who's at BYU, but they're kind of navigating the world on their own. And I was with one of the families this week. We spent some time together. And as we were talking, I was like, I want you to think about this. And I, I want you to consider this as you're making these decisions. And we kind of were talking and then I said to him, you need to remember, you are the adult. Like you get to make the decisions. You and your wife will sit down and you'll say, what do we think we should do? That's your job because this is your family. But then I said to him, I am your mom and I will always be your mom. And one of my roles as a mom is protector. That's just innate in me as a mother. And I will always give that voice of protection of how could we best keep your family safe 
because that's what moms do. You get to make the decision because that's what you do when you're an adult. But I love this thought of him saying, the reason why I'm gathering you is to prepare you against what's about to come, right? I'm just, I'm gonna sit down and navigate for you what could be in your path. And then we're gonna talk about agency in a, in a minute. You, you will choose, but his will always be a voice of protection. And I love the thought of that. There is safety there. Yeah, and it's neat that this is what he's, um, he's putting these six elders who have this question at the beginning, right? Is this it? Is this the end times? Mm -hmm. It seems like everything's wrapping up and he kind of says, oh, listen, mm -hmm. almost, but you have a really important role right now to try and bring other people into this protective wings. I, I want to protect and save everybody. I, I want to, you know, look out for, I don't want anybody to deal with the consequences of their of their own choices and you know of of um wickedness and the devil like i i want to bring everybody yeah. everybody in and so and I love, he tells them go out sound of the trump yep and bring people in and i love that he says that go out and do that bring them in protect them because then in verse 10 and 11 he's going to say let me tell you how the story ends let me just tell you how this thing's going to wrap up at the beginning because the hour is nigh that which was spoken of by mine apostles will be fulfilled. And I will reveal myself from heaven with power and great glory. I'll bring all the hosts and we will dwell in righteousness with men on earth a thousand years. And I love that right at the beginning, he's like, let me remind you who I am. Let me remind you what I do. I gather, I bring mercy, I atone for your sins. Um, that he wants to say, who gets to come? Everybody, right? Everybody is welcome. Anyone who wants Anyone who will can come. Our job is the voice of the Trump to bring them. And then I love that he's like, and let me just remind you how the story ends. Because then we're going to get to verse, the rest of chapter 29. And you're going to be like, whoa, I don't know if I wanted to come to this party. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know if this is, this is going to um, something I want to go through. But I love that in verse 5, he says this. And let's just pause here for a minute. And then we're going to jump into some of these uh, second coming verses. He says in verse five, lift up your hearts and be glad for I am in your midst and am your advocate with the father. And it is his good will to give you the kingdom. And I love that reminder of who God is, mm -hmm. that his will is good. A lot of times, I don't know if you're like me, but my personality does this. I, I start thinking about all of the things that are my problems or the things that we're struggling against or struggling with. And sometimes I feel like when we say that phrase, thy will be done, it's almost as if we're like, well, I've done everything I can. I got to wash my hands of this now. I'm going to give it to you. And growing up for me, when people said thy will be done, in my mind, I was like, that means the person's going to die. Did you ever think oh, that? Always, always that was like, like so yeah, my the, personality. Well, the idea is just like, but God's will, and it really means like, but I guess default's gonna be the bad one. Yes, you know, I I always went there. Some of you might not have done that, but I always did. And then there was a time, maybe fifteen years ago, maybe it was a little bit longer. We were going through a really hard thing, really, <clears throat> really hard, and. I can remember being almost at that point where I was going to say, I'm just going to have to turn this over to God's will. And I remember a battle for days 
of if I was at the point of doing that, which is so funny. And I was at a neighbor's house and they had this beautiful book on their coffee table. It was one of those coffee table books. And I turned to a page, you know what I'm talking about that no one reads, but they just yeah, look yeah. nice on there. And I turned to a page and I read this poem. It said this, I do not know thy final will. It is too good for me to know. Thou willest that I mercy show, that I take heed and do no ill, that I the needy warm and fill, nor stones at any sinner throw, but I know not thy final will. It is too good for me to know. I know thy love unspeakable, for love's sake able to send woe, to find thine own thou wots did go, and wouldst for men thy blood yet spill. How should I know? thy final will. God wise too good for me to know. And I can remember shutting the book that day, especially those two lines that I love, but I know not thy final will. It is too good for me to know. And this was my thought. I should have given it to him a long time ago. Mm. I, I should have given, I shouldn't have been pondering for three days. Months ago, I should have said to him, listen, you will be better at this than I will. And, and just handed it over to him. And I love his reminder that we're about to go through something really hard. What I need you to know at the beginning is um, that it is his good will to give you the kingdom. It's all going to work out in the end and that he gives us those verses. And then we are going to jump into this second coming yeah. language. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I, you just want to sit in that for a minute because of how good that is just to understand, like, listen, from the very, very beginning, it's been my intention and my plan and my purpose is to give you the kingdom. Like mm -hmm. you just have to know that I'm not against you. I'm not your enemy in this story. I'm your advocate in this story. And, and he just says one day, all of that, everything's going to get wrapped yeah. up and, and, and be done. But then he uses that phrase, but before that day. So <laughs> you can kind of almost like put this this chapter together. It starts in pre-mortal and goes all the way to second coming, but all the verses are out of order, just so you know. Yeah. So you have to look for a phrase like that. Because before that great day, Tell starting where you are. in verse 14, behold, I say unto you before this great day, and it'll be a great day, y'all. <laughs> and he starts to listen and list things that you're familiar with. Um, you've heard these in church before. The sun shall be darkened. The moon turned to blood. The falls will start. This Whoa. <laughs> what if the falls start? Uh, the stars will fall from heaven. There will be greater signs in heaven and in earth. Hailstorms and crops that are destroyed. Um, the cup of my indignation full. Um, flies will be sent forth. Verse 18. Um, to take a people's tongues and eyes. and the Nobody wants to the, read verse 19. I know. I skipped it. Oh, because okay. things fall off of bones in that one. Unless you're 12, then you love verse 19. And that can be your verse for family scripture study. <laughs> when all the bones fall out of people's eye sockets. Anyways, you get these beasts that show up in 20. And then 21 is the last of that section. We've got a little box where you can fill in, you know, some of the imagery that you read there. And he says, the great and abominable church, which is the whore of all the earth, shall be cast down by devouring fire. And then this line, according as it's spoken by the mouth of Ezekiel, the prophet, who said, this must surely happen as I live, for abominations shall not reign. And there's two things that maybe we want to say about that, or, or maybe more. 
Number mm-hmm. one, this is not an attack on people. This is not a description of an attack on people. This is a description of an attack on wickedness. This is a description of what God is trying to protect and gather his people from. He's like, this will be the natural outfall of the choices of humanity by following the devil. I'm trying to protect you from all of those things. So it's it's sort of a style of language called apocalyptic, where it'll say, the Lord says, I will send and I will do this. But um, what's important to understand as you read this is like, I'm trying to protect you from all of those things. And I'm trying to get rid of of wickedness. Some of these things might be hard to understand because what the Lord is doing here is gathering all of his revelation from all of scripture into one place. And one of the ways you can see that is if you go into the footnotes right at the bottom. And if you look careful, I hope you can see that mine are marked red, but you're going to see he is drawing from the book of Revelation, the book of Joel. He's in Joseph Smith, Matthew. He's in Doctrine and Covenants 45, Doctrine and Covenants 133, um, all the way through here. Ezekiel's going to be in here. Matthew 24 is going to be in here. Zechariah is in here. He's pulling from all, all end time scripture to write you this condensed description of what the second coming is going to look like, which feels super frightening if you if you don't have it all spread out in each of those books with what we love to call little interludes of hope throughout, just like he did at the beginning of 29, you will find that all through end time scripture where he's like, let me remind you that this, this great thing is going to happen in the midst of this terrible that is going on. When we started studying this chapter, we were like, we really need to get in and help people understand all of this other scripture. So when we get into these verses and when we get into section 45, it's more easily understandable. And as we started putting notes together for that, we realized that was going to actually be a seven hour, well, eight hour class probably yeah. by the time it was done. And none of you probably wanted that on YouTube. But as we started talking about it with friends, we had a lot of friends who were like, we actually would like that. So we did pull a whole bunch of this together and went down one Saturday to the loft in Lehigh and recorded everything that we could think of about end times out of scripture from Ezekiel and the entire book of Revelation and Matthew 24 and Joseph Smith Matthew and 29 and 45. And it is all captured together that we are gonna actually offer as a masterclass for any of you who are that personality that want to dive deep. There are some of us, myself included, who love to dive deep into the understanding of this. And then there are some They're like my cute sister who's like, listen, I don't want to do that. So you do it and then just tell me what I need to do to be prepared. (laughs) And for those of you who are like, I want the dive deep. We um, actually, if you just go to our webpage, don'tmissthisstudy.com, you are going to be able to find everything you need to know about that masterclass there. Yeah. And it's just something that we thought, oh my goodness, it's so cataclysmic. That's even a word, like this little section of verses. It just feels like, oh, everything is so big and out of control. But if you take time to like read through each of them and see the lesson that God is is teaching. I mean, these elders right here were asking, is this it? Is this the end? Like, and am I ready for this? 
And really, the Lord is giving a message of hope here, and he always gives a message mm-hmm. of hope. And so we just wanted to try and present as much of the end-time prophecies as we could together in the context of where do I find hope, and how do I find refuge, and how do I leave my mark in this world you know, in, in a time of, of trouble. So I love the pattern that he sets up here where he's like, let me show you the reality of what is coming but let me also give you the promise. And what follows right on the heels of these verses is this promise that's going to come starting in verse 24. And it lays out these millennial verses that in the next box down, you are going to want to go through and just write some of those verses or promises. I don't know if you have a favorite one from that section, but one of my favorites is in verse 25. And I'm just going to read the word phrases that I love from it, but he says this, not one shall be lost for it is the workmanship of mine hand. And I love that that is his message. Starting at the very beginning, anyone who will can, anyone who wants to come because his heart says not one will be lost. If they want to be part of this, they will not be lost to this. If they choose not to be part, he won't make them come. That's also not his heart. But if they will, I love that he's like, not one. It talks about not one hair, neither moat shall be lost. But in reality, what he's saying is that there is not one single person that will be lost for it is the workmanship of my hand. And I love the promise. That is such a beautiful millennial promise. And my favorite one is in in 24, when he just says, all old things will pass away and all things shall become new. And it just makes me want to make a list of all the things that I wish could pass away from this world. Like all of the heartbreaking and disappointing things that I wish could like, oh, and, and it's just neat to know that the Lord says, one day all those things that have caused you so much trouble and so much grief, they will pass away and, and all things will be made new again. And, and really, as we study, you know, God's promises to covenant Israel, it's these kind of phrases where it talks about new heaven and new earth and you inheriting that. It, it's kind of like the, the summum bonum, the mm-hmm. ultimate promise to covenant Israel is that I'll overcome all of your enemies and make all things new That's for you. so good. Um, we're going to go into this next part, but this is so funny. I just heard a knock on the door and I'm worried it might be our Easter surprise visitor. Should you text her so she doesn't leave us? And that is just a little hint for what you have to look forward to next week. But we are going to go into, I love that he does, um, this sets up what the second coming is going to look like and then the millennium. And then what's going to happen at the end of 29 is he's going to set up what it looks like. Remember how we talked about anyone who will come? what that looks like, what it looks like to come, and then also what it looks like if you use your agency and choose something different. And I love, I'm gonna be reading in Making Sense of the Doctrine and Covenants. I love this description of this last little bit of section 29. He says this, we tend to think of creation as something that happened at the beginning, but section 29 and Moses 1 speak of creation as a process still very much underway. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that we are like, we are in the creative process right now. We are being created in God's image. Accountable agents who choose to obey the laws of God and are being endowed with his power by degrees. Which I also love that thought of just, we are being uh, perfected. 
or increased by degree, right? Grace for grace is how that's happening. And then he says this, note how verses 30 through 33 outline this creation process in abstract terms. First, we are created spiritually, and then our spirit bodies are clothed in temporal bodies at birth. That is the first phase of God's creative work. Then fallen temporal bodies are raised to become spirit-filled, gloriously resurrected in God's image. And I just, I love that creation process of him saying, let me, that spirit-filled image, that creative work in us to become holy, to be then eventually resurrected in his image, that culminates his work of creating us. That is his work and his glory. And I just love the thought of that process. And, and we see the description of that. And we left you a little place yeah, to yeah. kind of write it, about that. It just lays out, and he uses Adam and Eve in this section 29 almost as a prototype for that. Where he just says, um, he's got Adam listened to the devil and then became subject to the devil because of that. But I intervened and gave him my commandments to try and exalt him from that place and redeem him from that place of, of being subject to him. So that is kind of like a framework for that, that section of scriptures that you can see when it starts talking about Adam and, and the devil. And it almost lays out, he kind of shows us, this has been the battle all along. Mm. It's been a decision of, are you going to follow the adversary and receive what, what he has for you? Or will you allow me to exalt you? Which, which one? And, and the phrase that they use in this section is... It's so good. They receive the wages of whom they list to obey. And it just really comes down to that simple, that principle of, of agency. That you are being drawn from both sides and, and whose wages do you want to obey. It's interesting as you read from 36 through 50, you're going to see words stand out there that you can list on both sides of this chart right here as you go down. As you start looking at what would the will of the devil look like, you're going to want to look for words that are like death, bitter, evil, darkness, repent not, fall, damned, tempted, rebelled, and turned away. And then he also outlines for us in those same verses the opposite of that, which is life, sweet, light, angels, repentance, redemption. I love when it talks about through faith on Jesus. Mm raised immortality, eternal life, and belief. That it's just such an opposite. Like even just looking at those words, your your spirit fills something that I think. And we love this at the bottom. Yeah, just here at the bottom, he just talks about like, he, he, this is the first time you get in the restoration scripture, what happened in the pre-mortal world. And he says that people were turned away or experienced a sort of spiritual death and it says end of 36 because of their agency and it's interesting because we could use that same exact phrase to say how come somebody was clothed with glory and grace even as he was as even as jesus is and you could still say oh because of their agency that's the person that they listed to obey um that very last fill in the blank is mm -hmm. is is behold i say unto you that little children are redeemed from the foundation of the world, which is just one part of a list of everything that's going to happen through mine only begotten. So it just lays out the simplicity of, of this life on earth where 
you know, we, we were spiritual. We were clothed in this temporal body that's carnal, sensual, and devilish. And God says, I'm giving you commandments that are anti-carnal, <laughs> anti-sensual, anti-devilish to try and like exalt you. And protect you, and, right? Yeah. I, yes. I'm the dad. Right. I'm going to try and protect you. We have that line in the middle that I don't even know if we if we said about, but it's like, he's like, wait, you need to know who the real enemy is here. The adversary is is trying to ruin you. That description of like maggots and flies and stuff, they come after something has died. And he's trying to show like, that's what happens when someone lets poison and decay into their life. I'm trying to protect you from all mm. of those things. And I just love at that end when you read those two lines together when it says, how does this happen? All of this goodness, this light and this redemption and this raised up and this lifting, right? Degree by degree. How does this happen? And I just love this thought because of their agency through mine only begotten, right? We're not capable of that on our own merit but we are capable of it with his grace and and with his help and because and through his only begotten is how that work is done in us it's it's how he makes us complete and i love the thought of that as we get out of section 29 so so many good things and and let's just say this i love also a couple times here he says and it's going to be sounded with the sound of a trump. You just like I really. Yes. It's like I'm. I'm going to make sure you hear it and know and have the chance to to receive this. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to you be really obvious it. about it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. Let us just tell you two things as we end. Next time is going to be Easter, and there is so much going on with Easter because it's General Conference weekend, and it's Easter. And as we were thinking about what we wanted to do for Easter, we thought, oh, we want it to be simple. We want it to be short and we want it to be a celebration. So that is what you have to look forward to in the next video and a surprise guest because at Easter and Christmas, we just love bringing in a visitor. So a short one next time, it's gonna just make conference come alive for you. It'll be such a great Easter, just our gift to you. Um, It's gonna be such a good one. And then if you're looking for that deep dive into the signs of the second coming and and all of that go to don't miss the study.com you'll find everything you want to know there yeah under master class so okay we'll see you next week for our easter celebration one <laughs> this audio was taken from a youtube video from our youtube channel you can find us on youtube at don't miss this also sign up for our newsletter at don't miss this study.com And you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.